Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast. You join us as we begin February 2022. Uh, and as usual, we'll be delivering you a roundup of the key items we believe are important in and around the hotel investment space. By we, I am referring to myself, Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst, and um, I'm also joined by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. And we're going to start by looking at uh, the people problem, a big, big issue right the way through the pandemic for the hospitality sector at large. And uh, we've been taking a poll, seeing if uh, things are improving much and uh, what the various companies within the hotel space are doing to try and improve the situation they find themselves in. Uh, it has been a harrowing problem over the last summer, having to keep rooms closed because they didn't have enough staff to, to uh, manage them. Uh, turning away business so it's, that's, that's always always a bad thing there's been uh, issues around recruitment uh, there have been people drifting away to do other things and suddenly discovering that those other things whether it be driving a uh, home delivery grocery van or, or or working for Amazon might suddenly appear a bit more attractive than slogging it away in a hotel where you're only giving your shift pattern a few days before and uh, although your boss keeps telling you you're great the pay packet doesn't seem to uh, uh, match very nicely with that so there's been quite a, a big shift in the uh, the way hotel companies and hotel management people have had to think about recruiting and retaining their talent it's been a bit of a big wake-up call for the whole sector we've been finding yeah i want to talk about frogs in the okay. connection with this chris um mm -hmm. specifically frogs in pans of water right on, on your hob and going. gradually being heated up mm -hmm. um, and this is how i i feel about this whole issue around labor and we i mean i have to say we're, we're guilty of it as journalists uh in terms of how we cover things as we focus on those immediate news hits um we much we're very poor at looking at long-term trends and this is very much i think a long-term trend i don't think this is directly covid related i think covid as we always say has um, accelerated the issue um but it hasn't created the issue um and um what we're seeing is is this is really coming to the fore now and i don't think even as we get out of covid and things get back to normal in in quotes um th this isn't going to disappear as an issue um now i think the driver of this is a fundamental and big shift in uh, the economy and wider society uh so i i think when i first started writing about hospitality it, it was in the early 1990s and we'd been through the sort of thatcherite reaganite shift in terms of the um what was then a rebalancing in terms of how how the labor market was structured and so on um and i think that was a necessary move that had to happen we were shifting from a essentially manufacturing economy into a service economy and there needed to be reforms to reflect that now that was done but one of the unfortunate side effects of that was that we saw a huge rise in inequality and that really happened during the 1980s you can trace that back and economists they look at a thing called the gini coefficient um and this rose in very early started rising in early 1980 and then got to a plateau at the end of um, the 80s and as 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 just stayed at this sort of uh, 
higher level uh, since then and so f since 1990 basically the last 30 years all the time I've been writing about hospita hospitality I think we're now seeing a shift in that I think what we are seeing is labour is getting uh, uh, more pricing power if you like in the market and I think there's a couple of reasons for that I think there's undoubtedly a short-term thing going on here with the squeeze uh, post-covid but also I think there's a long-term shift in that the value and pricing of uh, knowledge-based work is relatively diminishing uh, against the value of uh, skill and empathy-based work. Um, there's an author called David Goodhart laid this out uh, very clearly in, in, in an excellent book um, called Head, Hand and Heart. And anybody in the hospitality industry, I think it, it's, it really speaks to what we are as an industry and as a sector. We're, we're not lawyers and accountants and software geniuses, but you know where the sector is brilliant is is brilliant with empathy um and it's brilliant with craft and skill so it's the empathy is the front of house and you've got the craft and skill in the back of house um these people have throughout the 30 years i've been writing about the sector been undervalued and i don't think they've been paid appropriately and treated appropriately and i think chris when you went out and talked to you know there's widespread recognition that this has been the case wasn't there absolutely when you, you went yeah. went and had a chat with people yeah um, and what Goodhart's book says, um, and there are others who have who've made similar points, but where he, he says is we're sort of peak head. We are, um, you know, in, in terms of those knowledge-based workers, those sort of accountants, those lawyers, those consultants, um, th th it's as good as it's going to get relatively for them. Now, they've, they've you know, we're, we're still seeing, um, I was reading the paper about, corporate lawyers getting £50,000 signing on bonus and all this kind of stuff and we've still got these huge payouts but I, my view is in terms of how this is shifted and I think Goodhart who lays out uh, 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 in his book a lot of evidence to suggest that we are beginning to see some change um, and certainly shows how, how bad it has become um, I think the position of those knowledge-based workers is going to deteriorate relative, and, and it's things are going to shift in favor of if you like our people um those with the head those with the heart and the um hand uh, skills the the chefs and the front of house people and this is going to be a major move and it's happening you know it, it's going to take just as it was 30 years plus that we've been under the sort of this this regime in which it's you know knowledge is king and we've we've geared up our entire education system around this and this is one of Goodhart's big criticisms mm. and you know our education system is all about go and get that degree yeah. but the reality is there aren't that many jobs for graduates you know we've got 50 percent of our school population in the UK coming out with degrees but are there you know is 50 percent of the jobs available out there sort of degree level work well i'd argue there is that there, there isn't um and we need to shift into a um, better training for those heart and hand type things and that isn't really uh, via universities i would argue i think there's it's more practical on the job training where that is best learnt and best suits that sort of learning um so I think that, that we are, you know, it's going to take a long while, but but it's happening. And this is one of those, you know, the, the, the water is heating up around this. Mm. And I think there's going to be a big change. And I think actually from a hospitality perspective, this is a good thing. 
perhaps i mean most of the people who listen to us in this podcast um are actually at the knowledge end of the <laughs> of, of things so it's perhaps not so good news for them but um you know in terms of uh, their kids my kids um certainly uh you know these hand skills and these um heart skills you know they're great career options and will be increasingly great career options now as we come out of the pandemic uh, once more the brands are demonstrating their power uh, we've had some roundups from the big brand groups marriott hilton accor and so on recently telling us how many more rooms and hotels they signed in the last 12 months and uh, how big they've uh, the pipelines have indeed seem to have grown through the last year or so um it's perhaps more difficult to tease out from those big numbers quite how um they're robbing pieces of paypal uh, they'll they'll claim more more conversions which means they're actually stealing more uh, properties off each other uh, but uh, the net unit growth uh, that uh, Marriott and Hilton have, have achieved and high, particularly Hyatt in the last year has been quite quite impressive scale um, pushing along and continue to grow the brands and of course the the, the move to brands uh, even collection and softer brands is still evident at the uh, more independently uh, orientated hotel end of the market um, people like preferred hotels and resorts uh, are still signing up more uh, more joiners to their their affiliate collections uh, month on month. Uh, so it seems, despite the pandemic, one thing that stayed steady is the march to brands. Absolutely, and I think this is. And let's be clear: it's hotel brands, it's brand.com, which is which is dominating here, not the OTA brands, mm. um, and. Um, in addition to the, the piece you put together, Chris, I, I dug out a couple of bits of evidence to support this. Um, first is SiteMinder, which is a channel manager, um, and they publish an annual survey looking at uh, you know who, who, who is delivering the most bookings online. Um, and Brand.com has moved into second place in the majority of um, the different markets. So they look at national markets. So, um, and what they found, in fact, in 20 of the 21 markets they look at, uh, direct bookings either maintained their place or increased their position in the rankings. Um, in 12 of the 21, they're now second placed. Now, Booking.com is overwhelmingly the number one. I think mainly the US market is uh, where Expedia is the number one. But Brand.com is is number two in UK, Germany, France, Italy, and Spain. So it, overwhelmingly in, in Europe, the big markets of Europe, Brand.com is, is now in a very good position. Now, the second bit of evidence, um, was uh, from Bernstein, the um, equity analysts, and they took a look at some STR numbers and they found that uh, in Q3 2019, booking and Expedia to together sold 27.4 percent of global room room nights mm. in Q3 2021. This was 23.9 now this is a drop in market share of 3.5 percentage points a pretty significant drop in market share and it's the opposite of what normally happens in any recovery where the OTAs gain market share we're seeing the opposite of this so far and Bernstein says that the market share has gone to brand.com and gone to challenger OTAs like uh, they mentioned hopper and snap travel um, 
also you've got airbnb moving up as site sitemindr one of the other findings of sitemindr was airbnb was moving up um in terms of taking share um well below still direct uh, bookings and um, the OTAs but there's pressure coming on the OTAs, OTAs and that there's momentum here so this is looking like a recovery where hotel brands win and also I think because the pressure on the OTAs to keep their margins low um, um, owners are going to win. Mm. Well and uh, interestingly I uh, heard the other end of the scale from um a uh, someone who uses booking.com to rent out properties recently um, so I suppose you might call them just kind of small small-time landlord got two or three properties in a, uh, in, in coastal resort towns in South Wales and they were saying that um, uh, they they list with booking.com and as uh, uh, an owner they feeling they're being put under ever more pressure to uh, list their properties in certain ways and um, uh, so they're, they're, they're feeling less and less inclined to uh, continue with the OTAs and more likely to kind of pull them out and do their own thing just simply because um, the, the the pressure they're being put under to continue to grow their revenues but of course <laughs> actually that means growing the revenue of the uh, the OTA uh, is, be is becoming mm. all a bit much for them actually. Right, when you say that, is, is that because uh, that they don't want the extra bookings or is that they prefer to put the bookings through other channels? Is that, is that uh, they the prefer issue? to do the bookings at, at a level that they're comfortable at and they feel they're being placed under pressure to list their properties more uh, and, and more aggressively um, to increase okay. the volume of, uh, of, of overall business that goes through. Um, yeah, it's not a problem. I think most hotels no. would 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 worry about. No, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, but but none but nonetheless, I think the the anecdotal evidence I'm hearing is that uh, um, the OTAs are becoming more owner friendly. If anything, um, they're bending over backwards. You know, there's I've already mentioned about the margins, mm. but they're they're trying their best to, to be more owner friendly. Um, so this is again good news, I think, um, for how how this is evolving. So this this is it looking like a very different recovery well is it let's let's talk about that because we, we the the other thing we've been looking at this week is how travel looks to be bouncing back kind of uh, at a, a regional uh, international level uh, and what could that mean for hotels around the place uh, as it starts to pick up again um, we've obviously just we're sitting here in the UK where our government has uh, whatever else it's been doing has at least now st abandoned the need for uh, incoming travellers to uh, do testing so long as they've got vaccinations and uh, that seems to have um, uh, improved the mood of, of quite a lot of uh, business people people in the in the world of, of business travel and travel in, in general um, we've also been taking the temperature from recent market monitors and also uh, the latest stats from the Global Business Travel Association who are of the opinion that by and large they reckon uh, we should see an 18% compound annual growth rate for the next three years. They're now penciling in uh, about the end of 2024 or early 2025 for most uh, global markets to be back at the level of business they were at in 2019. Uh, so it uh, looks like the good news is spreading from not just the summer staycation market but out into the broader the broader hospitality sector as we go forward 
my view is the GBTA uh, are still too mm-hmm. gloomy. Um, they're penciling in, they're changing their forecast to, um, for more optimistic outlooks, but um, they're not doing it <laughs> fast enough. I think things are going to get back quicker. Um, the first point I want to make, though, is... Um, something that the International Air Transport Association, the uh, airline trade body, said um, at the end of Jan, and that was, government should accelerate the relaxation of travel restrictions as COVID continues to evolve from pandemic to endemic stage. Now, we've been banging on about it's an endemic disease and we need to treat it as that for some time, as regular listeners to this podcast will know. Um, and it, it's, you know, there's more and more people coming to our side you know to our point of view i think um iata not surprisingly are calling for a um all travel barriers to be removed um interesting only for vaccinated fully vaccinated people um but they're saying we should get rid of them um they cited some evidence uh both a study by oxera and edge health um which was commissioned by the manchester airport group who own manchester east midlands and stansted um um in, in terms of how ineffective the travel restrictions were at controlling the spread of omicron um absolutely the case mm. i think um and you know these these travel bans just don't work and there's increasing evidence that they don't work which is going to make it harder and harder to justify putting them in place i think for countries like the uk europe north america um which have come out of this um not following a zero covid strategy um so uh, you know that gives me optimism that we we're not going to see travel bans come in and there's growing skepticism about just how effective um these restrictions are i mean um sort of go off a slight tangent but i mean if we look at the uk um although scotland and wales had were stricter uh, um, over the christmas period than in england um, infection rates were higher in those two countries um so uh, there's, there's you know it's very hard i think to justify these restrictions and and i'm i'm i think there's a you know governments are going to find very widespread resistance if they try and reimpose them i think there has to be you know very um an extreme situation to justify um lockdowns again so that that's the good that's good news i think um but even better news i would argue is just how quickly things are coming back and this is why i think the gbta is being too pessimistic so sticking with airlines for some data again Mm -hmm. um so just pick on the two so ryanair which is the biggest um um, airline in europe by passenger numbers they're expecting to carry in their financial year to march 2023 which is well from um from spring through to next spring uh, they're expecting to carry 165 million passengers in that same period in 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 the pre-covid record um for ryanair so 2019 was 149 million 
So it's an incredibly strong bounce mm. back they're expecting to happen in this year. Uh, Wizz Air, one of a uh, 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 low-cost carrier rival of Ryanair, um, is similarly expecting to carry significantly more people. It's increased, it is expecting to operate 50% more capacity. 50%. That's a hell of an increase in August and September this year than in the summer of 2019. Now, uh, uh, will somebody explain to me how we're not going to get back <laughs> to full occupancy if we're having this number of people um, flying? Now, something is not connecting here either the gbta is wildly mm. wrong in terms of their numbers um well i mean okay they could be right i suppose and we just we're going to make it all up in a huge leisure but who cares if we've got the numbers i i just don't think there is any need to be pessimistic about what this recovery is shaping up to look like i think it's gonna you know there's more and more evidence and so yeah, the risk is on the upside, I believe, um, certainly for the next year or two in terms of this this recovery. There are there are always issues, there are always threats, there's always challenges, but all the evidence is pointing to a remarkably strong recovery. Absolutely right. Um, and I'm doing my bit. I'm, I'm travelling again this month. So, yeah, it's, third, you are, it's my third again, international so. trip in four months, so I'm doing my bit for the global travel industry <laughs> get us all going again right now let's move on to our five star and no star awards i shall start with the no star this week uh it's going to our dear friends a fabulous british hotel brand called britannia hotels um britannia have uh, come bottom of the which magazine consumer survey of of customer satisfaction for i believe the ninth year in a row um it, it's quite astounding how this this brand soldiers on, especially in um, in the world of uh, online reviews. Uh, how many people don't read them? Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, mm. consistently problematic in terms of their delivery of service and uh, quality of their rooms and all that sort of thing. Um, the contrast being Premier Inn, who came top once more. Yeah, and I have to say, speaking to what we opened this podcast with, with which is the the people problem. Um, I mean, it's clearly an operator <laughs> problem here in the case of Britannia, um, and they are going to have a, a a bigger and bigger problem because of their attitude towards customers and towards their staff, um, and it's going to get increasingly difficult. And I think. Um, the quality of operator is going to matter more and more as as this as if if my analysis in terms of how we see the labour market playing out over the next decade or two um, comes to pass, um, the likes of Britannia are mm. going to be struggling. And Andrew, you're going to award the five stars this week too. Yes, it's uh, well. It, it's the strength of the recovery. So um, just arriving in our um, inboxes as we went to uh do you go to press mm. with a podcast or as we you yes, hit the record I button do, yeah. Chris, yeah, yeah. i think it's a um um, um so um Accor sent through a uh study which showed that uh um, that they surveyed 6,000 people across the uk netherlands germany poland and russia um and what they found was um, that on average 39% of these people, the 6,000, are expecting to spend more on travel in 2022 than they did in 2019. They didn't ask me, um, but I could have been one of the 39%. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you, do you reckon well, you're going to spend know. more we'll see. this year than you did in 2019? <laughs> Blimey, how many ski trips are you going on? <laughs> yeah, sorry, we're going to go. We're going to go fortnightly yeah, yeah, with the podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you can do it while yeah. you're going down the slope, Chris. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's quite a substantial uh, number, and that's it's very good news for the travel industry at large. And on that happy note, we'll wish you goodbye for now. <laughs>